107 after the Hijra began, he had a very long journey to the rescue boat of my grandfather is much bigger. My grandfather's wife that looks after her husband's faith, her husband's He's imam. very scared of him and his gang. saw a beautiful woman in the caravan from Khalasan, a beautiful person. What prompted me to choose this particular topic was a conversation that I had with a young man not too long ago. As he approached me, I witnessed the effects of the Quran and the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on his spirit and on his soul. With eyes full of tears, he approached me saying, Sayyid, I feel that I have led a life of sin. I feel that from the morning that I wake up until the time that I go to sleep, I lead a sinful life. And almost everything that I perform and every act during the day that I take part in, there is a sin involved. I have committed the major sins. Am I allowed to be part of the gathering of Imam Hussein? A person like me, a sinful individual, am I allowed to take part in the majalis of Imam Hussein and in the remembrance of Ahlul Bayt? And I said to him, if you have decided to purify yourself, if you have decided to begin a new chapter in your life, if you have decided to erase the book of your a'mal, to cleanse your body and your spirit and your heart, then this is the place for you. This is the right place for you to be in. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam has been narrated to say in a very famous tradition, in a very famous hadith, a well-known hadith amongst all Muslims. إِنَّ الْحُسَيْنَ مِصْبَاحُ الْهُدَى وَسَفِينَةُ الْنَجَاتِ Hussein is the torch of enlightenment. You see, brothers, we live and a life full of darkness. We live in a life full of darkness and many obstacles. Imagine this life as a room. This room has no lights. It has absolutely no windows. And this room is full of obstacles, very dangerous obstacles. And they ask you to enter from one door and exit the other. And the only way for you to avoid the obstacles, the only way for you to lead a life of tranquility and peace, the only way for you not to damage yourself with the obstacles is to be able to turn on the light and to illuminate the room so that you can avoid the obstacles. So that you would not put yourself in danger. And the reason why I use this analogy 
is because when Azrael, the angel of death, approached the prophet Nuh, the longest living prophet on the face of this earth, he said to him, Ya Nabi Allah, you are the longest living prophet. How do you find this life in the time of your departure? You've lived for 1,500 years and now it's time for your departure. Describe this life to us. He said, I felt that I was placed in a room with two doors. I, ex I entered from one and I exited from the other very quickly. Now imagine the life that we have, whether it's 70 or 80 or even 100 years. And we're placed in a room. For us at the time of departure, it would feel that this room is very small. It's a tiny room and we had to jog or we had to run through one door and exit the other. And this room, like I said, is full of obstacles, dangerous obstacles. And there is one way to illuminate this room and to avoid the obstacles. Inna al-Husayn al-Huda. Hussein is that light. When Imam Hussein began his journey from Mecca towards Karbala, he would stop at different resting points. His camp would rest in different locations, different cities and villages. And Imam Hussein along the way stopped at a village to rest while his companions told him, Imam Hussein, this is not the location that we were planning to rest in. This is not the place that we had planned to reside in for the night. We're stopping too early. Let us continue. And Imam Hussein told them that this is the place we're going to reside in tonight. So they camped, they put out the tents. And soon after they put out the tents, Imam Hussein asked his messenger to go to a nearby village to visit another man to tell him that I am the messenger of Hussein and Hussein would like to meet you. Imam Hussein's messenger went to the nearby village to pay a visit to a man by the name of Zuhair ibn al-Qayn. Zuhair ibn al-Qayn, according to historians, was Uthmani al-Hawa. What is Uthmani al-Hawa? Uthmani al-Hawa is a person that seeked the vengeance of Uthman from Amir al-Mu'mineen. You see, when Uthman was executed by the Muslims, and his body rested in his residence for three days. The lady Aisha took the shirt of Uthman. She raised the shirt of Uthman. <clears throat> and she began to ask for the vengeance of Uthman from Amir al-Mu'mineen, Imam Ali. Claiming that Imam Ali was the killer of Uthman. And she gathered an army against Imam Ali in the battle of Jamal. Zuhair ibn al-Qayn was amongst those present in the battle of Jamal against Amir al-Mu'mineen, against Imam Hassan, against Imam Hussein. <clears throat> so Zuhair ibn al-Qayn was Uthmani al-Hawa. 
The messenger of Hussein came in the tent of Zuhair ibn al-Qayn. Zuhair ibn al-Qayn was also traveling. He was traveling to look over, look after his investments. He was one of the richest people alive at the time. He owned properties in the Arabian Peninsula and outside the Arabian Peninsula all the way to Kufa and Basra. So he was traveling to check on his properties, on his investments, with an entourage of slaves and servants. The messenger of Hussein came, at, came to the tent of Zuhair ibn al-Qayn. <clears throat> he said to him, I am the messenger of Hussein ibn Ali. And Hussein is a near, in a nearby village and he would like to meet with you. Historical accounts tell us that Zuhair was having lunch. He threw his plate and he said, I go to Hussein, a rich man, a wealthy man, also a very brave man that was an enemy of Ahl al-Bayt. Says, if he needed me, if Hussein needs me, why didn't he come to me? I'm not going to Hussein. And he released the messenger. When the messenger was getting ready to depart, his wife Dalham, Allahu Akbar. A wife that cannot be evaluated by a materialistic manner. This type of woman that helps her husband transform his life, takes him away from the hellfire and puts him right into paradise. A wife that looks after her husband's faith, her husband's iman. Not like some who will say, I don't care if my husband prays. He fasts, he goes to the masjid, he goes to the center. If he has a contribution in building a house for Allah, if he has contribution in taking care of orphans, all I care about is my husband creating the bigger company and building a, a larger home buying a better vehicle and giving me a credit card. That's all I care about. No. This woman said, there's nothing else that I care about besides my husband's faith. Besides my husband's iman. She said to him, Ya Zuhair, weren't you praying moments ago, Salat al-Dhuhr? He said, yes. She said to him, didn't you do the adhan? He said, yes. Didn't you say, ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah and your adhan? He said, yes, I did. He said, Zuhair, this is the messenger of the grandson of the man of your adhan. How can you say no to him? What would you tell his grandfather in the day of judgment? So Zuhair, he got up. He told the messenger, hold on, I'll come to you. I'll come with you to Hussein." He went, historians say he went for several moments inside the tent of Imam Hussein. Several moments, maybe five, ten minutes. He came back, he got out of the tent, he sat on the back of his horse, on the back of his horse, galloping towards his wife. He held the horse. He said to his wife, All the slaves, all the servants, all the pieces of land, all the wealth. I would like to sign it off for you. She said, why? He said, because I cannot see myself away from Hussein, away from the camp of Hussein. I cannot see myself living this life anymore. 
And for the service that you have done, I'm going to gift you everything that I have. And I'm going to divorce you so you leave, so you leave and you lead a free life. I'm going to become a servant at the camp of Hussein. Said to him, Ya Zuhair, you will become a servant of Hussein and the men in the camp of Hussein, and I will become a servant to the woman of Al Muhammad. Inna al huda. One glance from Aba Abdullah. One look from Aba Abdullah. One moment of connection with Imam Hussein transforms the people's life, any human being's life. And then Rasulullah says he is the ark of salvation. He is the rescue boat. When Rasulullah gave this hadith, he said he was stating a fact, an eminent fact. That's when sometimes people will travel in the middle of the sea at that time, in the middle of the ocean, and their boat would break. They all die. Every one of them will die. They had one tiny hope, one hope. There is one way for them to receive salvation, to be free. One way to live their life again, and that is if a rescue boat came by. If the rescue boat came, they can hop on the rescue boat and save their lives. Rasulullah says, إِنَّ الْحُسَيْنَ مِصْبَاحُ الْهُدَى وَسَفِينَةُ الْنَجَاةِ He is that rescue boat. Use that rescue boat. Imam Ja'far ibn Muhammad ibn al-Sadiq, salawatullahi alayhi, says, كُلُّنَا سُفُنُ النَّجَاةِ We are all rescue boats. We are all the arcs of salvation. وَلَكِنْ سَفِينَةُ جَدِّيَ الْحُسَيْنِ أَكْبَرُ وَأَوْسَعُ he says, we are all the arcs of salvation, the rescue boats. But the rescue boat of my grandfather is much bigger. My grandfather Hussein is much bigger and much faster. Several weeks ago, <clears throat> one of the scholars told me of an incident, a beautiful incident that happened in one of the Gulf states. A man outside the madhab of Ahl al-Bayt, outside the madhab of Al-Muhammad, away from Ahl al-Bayt, was suffering from cancer. And he traveled the whole world to get cured, and he couldn't get cured. Until he went to his neighbor, and he was having a conversation with his neighbor. His neighbor told him, listen, Tomorrow night, I'm going to have a majlis inside my basement, inside my home. You're my neighbor. Come and try Hussein. Come and see if the majlis of Hussein will give you a cure. The man said, that night I couldn't sleep. I was wondering if I should go, if I should not go. But he said, I was desperate. I had no other option. I could see death. Coming close. My days were ending. He said, out of a desperate state, the next day I went inside the majlis. I sat, I saw everybody's wearing black. Then people began to cry. He said, I was not used to crying. But I went, I put my hands on the face of the man sitting next to me. I took some of his tears and I put them on my tongue. I swallowed those tears for Aba Abdullah al-Hussein. 
He said, a week later I went and I got re-examined. The results came that there was nothing wrong with this man. It was completely cured. So he went to his neighbor. He said to him, those are my results. I don't have cancer anymore. He said to him, what happened? He said, when I came to your house, I took some of the tears for Aba Abdullah al Hussein, And I used them as cure. Imam Hussein not only cures our physical illnesses, but he also cures our metaphysical illnesses, our spiritual illnesses. Inna al-Hussein, misbahul huda wa safinatul najat. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam states that when I went to the seventh heaven and I elevated from the seventh heaven to the arsh, to the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I saw, I saw that it was written on the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ra'aytu maktuban ala butnan al-arsh, inna al-Husayna misbahul huda wa safinatul najat. On the throne of Allah. And Allah chose this statement to represent His throne. Many statements. There are many things that Allah could have decorated His throne with. But Allah decorates his throne with the name of Hussein. That is why tonight I have chosen to examine this particular ayah. A beautiful verse within the Holy Quran. Chapter 57, Surah Al-Hadid, the iron. Verse 16. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ Isn't it time for the believers, for the mu'mineen to feel khushu' softness in their hearts for the remembrance of Allah? Why was this verse revealed? Number two, how is this verse related with the grand name of Fudayl ibn Mu'id? Number three, what does it mean when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this verse with a question? Allah begins with a question. Why would Allah begin with a question? Doesn't Allah know everything? Alam ya'ni? Lilladheena amanu? Number four, and takhsha'a qulubuhum, for their hearts to feel khushu'. What is the state of khushu'? And lastly, dhikrillah, for the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And finally, where do we find this in the school of Imam Hussein? The effect of this ayah, and the school of Imam Hussein, wa sallu ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. The ulama of tafsir have stated that this story, this verse was revealed in regards to the storytelling of Salman and the Masjid of Rasulullah. You see, Salman lived for about 150 years and 
he began, he had a very long journey towards Iman. As many of you know, he was a Megan, then he became a Jew. When he embraced the Jewish faith, and of course the Jewish faith that speaks of the oneness of God, the divine ornament, the oneness of the divine ornament. He embraced the Jewish faith and he was studying under a Jewish rabbi. So he studied the stories within the Jewish scriptures. And he was told of the prophet of the end of time within the Jewish scriptures. The story is long, but then he also embraced the Christian faith after the demise of the Jewish priest, the Jewish rabbi. He came and he studied under a priest. The priest also told him a lot about Christianity, the literature and the Christian faith. The stories, and he also informed him of the prophet in the end of time. When the Christian priest passed away, Salman was his right-hand man. So people gathered for the vigil. Salman stood up and he gave a sermon. He gave a lecture. He said, The oneness of God I believe in. Many of the messages of this faith I believe in. But this priest was a corrupt man. They said, how was he a corrupt man? He said he would sell pieces of paradise to you and he would collect gold. He would free you from the hellfire and he would collect gold. He would forgive your sins and he would collect gold. You think he was going to spend it on the church, but he was collecting it for himself. And now I'm going to open his treasury. You go and you take your wealth, the money that you gave him, and he stole from you, go and take it. So the people saw a mountain of wealth and gold. They took the money. And Salman then from there made his way to the Arabian Peninsula and he embraced Islam and he became a companion of Rasulullah. So sometimes when he would sit in the masjid, he would tell them stories about the time when he was a Jew and he was a Christian and about the stories he learned. And people would gather and they would listen to him. Scholars say Allah revealed this verse. Alam amanu it is better that Salman would engage with the Quran. It is better that you engage with your own faith now rather than what happened previously and stories. And what has revealed unto you from Haq. This verse in almost every book of tafsir, when you go and open any book of tafsir, in every book of tafsir, it is associated by the name of Fudayl ibn al-Ayyad. Who is Fudayl ibn al-Ayyad? He lived from the year 107 after the hijrah until the year 187 after the hijrah. Fudayl was a gangster. He had a huge gang. And his job was to intercept caravans, strip them from their clothes, their wealth, everything they had, 
And at times he would even take advantage of the woman within the caravan. This was his job. He had a huge gang, huge operation. One day, there was a caravan from Khurasan that he intercepted. He took their wealth, he took everything they had, and he saw a beautiful woman in the caravan from Khurasan, a beautiful Persian woman. So he sent one of his guys, he said, go and follow where they're going to reside for the night, so that he would go there at night. So his man came to him and he said to him, I saw them, for example, residing in this neighborhood in this house. Fudail, when he finished everything that he was doing, at night he went to this house without knocking the door, without anything. He was climbing the wall to go and enter the house. And nobody could resist against him. Nobody can stand against him. As he was climbing the wall, as he was approaching her bedroom, he looked down, he saw a man standing in his prayer mat, in his musalla. In the middle of the night, reciting the Holy Quran. So Fudail, he stopped and he heard the man reciting this verse from the Quran. Surah Al-Hadid, verse 16. Alam ya'ni lilladheena amanu. Hasn't time arrived for the believers to feel khushu' within their hearts with the remembrance of Allah. أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ He was shocked. He froze. He couldn't move. Suddenly he began to shout, Yes, yes it is indeed time. He climbed down. He sat on his horse. He didn't know where to go. He doesn't want to go back to his life. So he went away. From the city and he saw a caravan of people discussing amongst themselves what happens if we go towards the city? What happens if Fudail intercepts our caravan and he takes our wealth and he takes advantage of us? So he went to them. He said, don't worry about Fudail. They said, why? Do you know what happened to him? He said, Fudail no longer exists. He said, are you sure? Do you have... Because we're very scared of him and his gang. He said, yes, I am 100% sure. He said, how are you so sure? He says, because I am Fudail. And for me, this chapter of my life has been closed. I have opened a new chapter. I have decided that the remembrance of Allah will have an effect on my soul and my spirit. Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this verse with a question? Alam ya'ni? You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the answer to everything. And Allah could have simply started the verse with, Indeed, it is time for the believers to recite the Quran and feel khushu' within their hearts. But why is it that he begins with a question? He begins with the question that I immediately ask myself. As I am reciting the Quran, as I am, re as I am reciting this verse, for me to ask myself, has it been time for me? Has that time arrived for me to feel that khushu' within my heart with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And brothers, 
An average human being lives approximately 25,550 days on the face of this earth. Tonight when you go home, or before you go home, you can calculate how many days are gone and how many days you're left with. And see how you've spent the past days and how will you spend the ones that are left from your life. How have you planned the rest of your days? <clears throat> how have you planned the, less, the rest of your life? Don't always plan it with a materialistic way. I have to become richer. I have to become more powerful. I have to... No. I'll tell you why. Because if you plan to own the largest and most beautiful home in the world, when you own that home and you reside in that home, you will not feel that satisfaction that now you're, you can rest. Now you can take a break. Now you have what you want. No. Then you will embrace another venture. You will embrace another <clears throat> desire from this dunya. If my goal is to have the most beautiful vehicles, then when I own them and I have them, is it enough? No. My, my thirst would not be quenched. In fact, you see people that are infatuated with this dunya, 30 years, the guy is in power, 30 years of power, 30 years of taking advantage of his people, 30 years of accumulating wealth, and the end of the day, he still doesn't want to leave the power. This is infatuation with the dunya. And today you saw many of the Arab leaders holding on to their power, willing to, to, to destroy everything around them, to destroy their countries for the sake of power. Rasulullah says, Rasulullah says, this dunya is like salt water. The more you drink, the more you get, the more you gain, the more thirsty you become. Dunya The dunya, this world, and infatuation with this world is the beginning of all evil. <clears throat> and I remember in Ramadan when we were reciting dua Abu Hamza Thamali with some of the brothers, we reached this <clears throat> segment. Oh Allah, remove the love of the dunya from my heart. And I saw one of the brothers, the whole dua, he was like this. As soon as we reached this area, this segment, Oh Allah, remove the love of the dunya from my heart. He put his hands down. After the dua, I said to him, what happened? He said, Sayyid, I'm not ready for that dua. I still love the dunya, I love the world, I love my job, I love my house, I love to become more successful. I said, no, that is not the, that is not the idea. The idea is not for you to stop work and to not seek perfection in your life. 
and even your materialistic life and to start wearing, you know, cheap clothes and to drive a cheap car and live in a, live in a cheap home. No. The idea is that this wealth does not own you, but you own the wealth. The home doesn't own you, but you own the home. The car doesn't own you, but you own the car. The bank account doesn't own you, you own the bank account. This is the difference. <clears throat> Therefore, we will never have enough with the dunya. If our plan is a million dollars, when we get the million, we'll go for the second, we'll go for the third, we'll go for the tenth. But there is one feeling, one feeling, that if we place it in this heart, it will give us tranquility. It will give us ease. It will pull us, it will put us at ease. Allah bidikrillah with the remembrance of Allah. With the love of Allah, you will feel at peace. You don't need anything else. When you have Allah here, when Allah occupies this heart, Imam Ja'far ibn Muhammad al-Sadiq says, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad al-Ala. إِنَّ قَلْبَ الْمُؤْمِنِ حَرَمَ اللَّهِ The heart of the believer is the sanctuary of Allah. فَلَا تُسْكِنْ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ حَرَمَ اللَّهِ do not allow anyone else to reside in your heart besides Allah. To take the sanctuary besides Allah. Allah says to Musa, Ya Musa, La tasa'uni ardi wa la sama'i. O Musa, the, the, the entire universe cannot occupy me. But the heart of a mu'min can occupy me. Allah is very happy with that small space, but genuine space, pure. But the heart of the believer can occupy me. Therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, hasn't it been time for you to wake up and to realize that the more you sin, the more this heart becomes rough and rigid. And in a moment of time you realize that when you sin, you no longer feel anything. Sometimes we sin and then immediately we feel bad. We, sh we feel ashamed. We feel we have to repent. But when the sinning becomes a lifestyle of sin, when our whole life revolves around sin, then the heart becomes immune to sin. The killing of Hussein becomes easy. The drinking of alcohol becomes easy. The destruction of families becomes easy. The eating of haram becomes normal. The presence in bars and clubs and where Allah has disobeyed becomes easy. Because I have made this heart immune to sin. For me, sin is no longer something ugly and disgraceful. Allah says, Alam ya'ni, isn't it time for you to wake up? And to make sure you safeguard this heart and you take away everything, you take away, you take out everything 
from your heart and you embrace Allah. <clears throat> Not long ago, I visited a community. And in this community, I came across this young man. Amazing young man. Very pious, very righteous, very pure. And I asked him, I said to him, what is your secret? How, how is it that you're so spiritual? I want you to tell me the secret ingredients. He laughed and he said, Sayyid, I was not always like this. In fact, if you looked up criminal in the dictionary, you would find me. I committed crimes. I've even been to prison. I was a sinner. I didn't care about nothing. I didn't care about my parents, about God, about faith. He said, one day, I received a phone call that one of my good friends, one of my close friends has died. And for me, it didn't mean anything. He said, I wore my clothes and I went to the funeral. He said, it hit me when I saw them taking his body inside the grave. He said, when I saw that they're taking the body inside the grave, and he was the same age as I am, I asked myself, am I ready for departure tomorrow? Am I ready to go to the next world? <clears throat> because the seat is there, it is reserved, and the itinerary is there, and the boarding pass is in our hands. And soon they're going to call us. And at that time when they call us, we have to board the flight. He said, am I ready for that flight? Am I ready for that departure? And the answer was no. He said, I went home after the funeral. And at night I couldn't sleep. He said, the next day I woke up and I drove my car to the cemetery. He said, I went to the graveyard. I went to the management. I said to them, I would like to purchase a grave. So they said to me, sure. I said, how much does it cost? They said, X amount of dollars. I wrote them the check. I gave them the money. I did the paperwork. Then they said, the name associated with the grave. He said, I gave them my ID. He said, the guy told me this grave is for you? He said, yes. He said, what? Are you sick? He said, no. Are you ill? No. He said, then why are you buying a grave, wasting your, time on, your money on a grave? Go live a good life, man. He said, indeed, from today, I will live a good life. From today, I will have a good life. A life of peace. A better life. A life which reminds us of our akhirah. Alam ya'ni, Allah asks, hasn't that time arrived for the believers to feel that khushu' within their hearts? أَلَمْ يَعْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ For the remembrance of Allah. And I tell you, any remembrance of Allah is good. Any remembrance of Allah is healthy. When Musa 
want to have his conversation with Allah. Allah spoke to Musa for 40 days. When Musa went to Mount Sinai, he was going to Mount Sinai, he saw an old man. The old man from Bani Israel told him, Ya Musa, where are you going? He said, I'm going to speak to my Lord, to have a conversation with Allah. So Musa, the old man said to him, Musa, tell him, can you take a message? He said, yes, I can. He said, tell him that I don't want his wealth, and I don't want his food, and I don't want his sustenance. I hate him, and I dislike him. And I have nothing to do with him. Musa was very upset. He said to him, why would you say things like this to, to God? So he said, Musa, you're the messenger. You just go and tell him. So Musa went and he spoke to Allah the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day. Until the 40th day. Allah said, oh Musa, is there anything you would like to share? Musa said, no Allah. Is there any message you have for me? Musa said, Allah, I have a message, but it's, it's disgraceful. It's embarrassing. Allah said, Musa, is the message for you or for me? Allah said, no, Ya Rabb, the message is for you. He said, then tell me the message. So he told him that this old man, he saw me. He said, I don't want God to give me food. I don't want him to give me sustenance. I don't want anything from him. I have nothing to do with him. Allah said, Musa, go and tell him that since I created you, I will take care of you. Since I created you, I am responsible for your health and sustenance. I will never neglect you. And whenever he decides to return to me, he is more than welcome. I will embrace him. This is the remembrance of Allah. This is the effect of the remembrance of Allah. Any remembrance of Allah is good. Because when you remember Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also remember you. Allah in the Quran says, Remember me, uthkuruni, athkurkum. I will remember you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the time of his remembrance, allows us to purify ourselves, to cleanse ourselves. When Musa was escaping the ocean, the river, before Allah split the river open for them, the Nile River, for them to escape from Pharaoh, Allah said to him, Musa, there is a sinful man amongst you. And as long as he's amongst you, Allah was not going to split the river, the Nile. And Musa, he got up quickly. He said, there is, Allah says there is a sinful man. Jibra'il says there is a sinful man. And as long as he is here, Allah is not going to save us. So whoever you are, please leave the gathering to allow the rest of us to be saved. Nobody left. But the man, he knew himself. 
Just like me and you, we know what we have done. So, Musa said to Jibra'il, Jibra'il, tell me his name, I'll take him out. Why the delay? Jibra'il went and he came back with a message from Allah. Musa, Allah has displeased with this man because he discusses people's affairs and he uncovers their sins and he speaks of the people's mistakes. This is his sin. You want Allah to commit the same? To do the same? To expose him? Allah is not going to expose him. So Musa said that to the people. The man then said, Oh Allah, now that you're the most merciful, most kind, not willing to expose the sinner, then I come to you. He went to the closest entity to him. أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ Allah is closer to us than our jugular vein. And he asked for repentance. And it was one moment of remembrance of Allah that changed his entire life. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.